Hello and welcome to the Ruckus Review. This week we are reviewing Blade Runner 2049. And with us we have Hayden Scheffler, Bruno Comel, and Nick Dabbs. And right here, maybe I'll play theme music. You're mocking me, aren't you? You get nothing! You lose! You were the chosen I think we'll just jump right in with opening statements. Uh, let's do this alphabetically. So we'll start with Nick Dabbs. So I, I did see the original uh, Blade Runner actually earlier this year because a couple of my buddies and I were, we knew this was going to be coming out later on. So we thought we'd catch up with the, the first one just to kind of get some context. I actually really hated that movie. I found it really uh, pretentious and I typically like pretentious film. But it was just excessively pretentious for reasons we might get into later. Um, so with that kind of is my part of my expectation for this film is just kind of being a little more inaccessible, kind of high sci-fi cinema. I was pretty pleasantly surprised with how accessible the sequel was. Um, it had a lot of the telltale signs of the original that kind of made it, you know, give it that same feel. You know, whether that's the slower pace or just kind of the darker, kind of like brooding context of the film um, a lot of the performances were similar a lot of the themes that explored were similar but overall it was just more accessible like there was just more dialogue at a very base level which made it you know you could track with kind of what's going on plot wise you can kind of get a little more as far as the characters motivations which is obviously it goes a long way um, a lot of the stuff I'm sure we'll get into but I really enjoyed the world that it created I actually found it very compelling I think it actually ranks pretty high in my mind as far as cinematic worlds recently in a kind of a sci-fi context. Um, there were a couple moments. I'd say this film, for me, mostly worked at certain moments. On the whole, I thought it was above average, but there were definitely particular scenes, particular moments that I thought were kind of above and beyond and really have kind of stuck with me, and I'm sure we might get into, into this as well. Hey, thanks, Nick. That was great. Um, and now, so moving clockwise on my view of our Skype cameras, we'll go to Hayden Scheffler. Because S totally comes after G. Um, so It does actually come after G. I know, that's what I was saying. Because <laughs> we're skipping John. And Bruno. So I, unlike Nick, did not see the original Blade Runner. I knew very little about it. My uh, context for the movie was watching the cinema sins for nice. the original Blade Runner, which doesn't really tell you a lot about the story. Um, I also was pretending to be an adult that day and I had a meeting at work about how to use a fire extinguisher. It was the stupidest meeting ever. So I missed the first 10 minutes. So um, when I came into the movie, he had just entered back into the police station. I think he had killed someone or there was the sequence with the tree. Yes, I know. It's a big deal because I missed the first part. So I spent the first little while trying to figure out what was going on. Um, but it, it it was pretty self-explanatory after like four minutes, I, I realized, because I kind of understood the gist of it. But overall, as the movie went, um, I walked out of the movie feeling like really good about it. I thought it was really good. Um, when I got home, I started thinking about it and I started typing up some things that I I found kind of odd in it. And when I started typing some of these things out, I realized 
that maybe I didn't like it as much as I thought because I actually had a lot of problems with it. Um, so like, but you, like you said, Nick, the world was great. I thought the world was really cool. I like how they kind of stuck it in that retro '80s future where they had the Pan Am and the old Coca-Cola symbols and and stuff like that to make it feel older than it should have been because in reality the old one took place in 2019 which is two years from now so either way it's like they had created this alternate alternate future because when they made the movie they were like ah 2019 so far away it's like sort of like back to the future um so overall i enjoyed the movie but i had a lot of problems with the pacing i thought towards the end it got really slow and basically i sort of didn't care about the second half characters really at all it was really ryan gosling's performance that i cared about the most and then harrison ford i because i had no nostalgia based on the original didn't really care about what happened to him so that's my take on it all right awesome thanks hayden and now we will in order of uh skin tone from lightest to darkest move on to bruno (laughs) you're coming right after me and then i'm last (laughs) um I'll keep it short. The movie was more than I bargained for in about every sense of the word. It was longer than I wanted a movie to be at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. It was also better than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be shallower and more action-y, but I, I don't think it was. Um, so I was I was pleasantly surprised by an, by an engaging plot and uh, compelling characters. It was also darker than I wanted it to be. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of dark movies. Uh, one of my biggest criticisms to the very poor Batman Superman movie is that it's so dark all the time. Um, and that's the general critique that I have towards futuristic movies is how dark they are. But then again, last above everything else, it was, it was a better movie than I thought it was going to be. And I was pleasantly surprised with that. Very good. All right, and so back to alphabetical order I go. So I thought uh, Dennis uh, Villanueva, uh, uh, he's been, I think, crescendoing uh, in his movies with Arrival, Sicario, uh, Prisoners, and he's kind of been building up to something and uh, building up, finally uh, discovered the way of combining a bunch of really interesting things and making a phenomenally boring movie. Uh, I think, I, I definitely think the film could have used a splash of M. Bay, just like a tiny bit. You could have had like a mutant ninja turtle in there, a quick robot fight, <laughs> and maybe a commentary on the events of Benghazi, like just something like that. Uh, and just keep it, just to keep it quick. Finally, uh, while the score was interesting, I wasn't able to enjoy it because it felt like it was being played on a cruise liner foghorn two rows behind me by H. Zimmer. So, <laughs> good soundtrack, boring movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was what it was. So, that's that's how I felt about it. So, you're probably the most down on it of anybody here, actually. Hey, look at that. Uh, okay, so... I think before we get into the meat of the review, uh, we could just kind of go over some of the shallower aspects, such as uh, like talking about directors and uh, box office and things like that. Um, 
we have uh, the director, like I said before, was uh, Denise Livin Nouvelle. Uh, and then you have starring Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford, uh, Anna de Armas, uh, Sylvia Hoix, and Jared Leto. Jared Leto, was he the Joker? He's the bad Joker. In Suicide Squad. So he's the five seconds to Mars or whatever. <laughs> 30 seconds to Mars, yes. Close. Since we're talking about him, I'll go ahead and get this out of the way. I can't stand him. I think it's a family thing. My sisters couldn't stand him, so I can't stand him. And the only movie that I like him in is Fight Club because he gets beat up by Brad Pitt in the middle of the movie. He like nearly dies and his face gets gets destroyed. So I was hoping that he would die the whole movie and that he would be tortured by something or someone, period. Okay, those are good thoughts, and we can save that for later, man. <laughs> you and your creepy fetish Sorry, about I can't killing Jared that. Leto. Um, and so we had the cinematography done by R. Deacons. I don't know if it's just my inexperience in reviewing movies, but I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff anymore. But he did I don't either. Some cool movies like Unbroken, Beautiful Mind, The Village, No Country for Old Men, and then teamed up uh, with Denny Ver- Villeneuve, um in Sicario and Prisoner. That's pretty cool. And then the score by good old H. Zimmer, teaming up with Benjamin Walf- Walfish. What? I've never heard of him before. Dude, be on the lookout for Walfish, man. Can I talk about the score just for a little bit? Uh, Yeah, touch on it a second. Just because most things that I've seen with Han- or seen that have had Hans Zimmer do the score, I've always liked the ones where Hans Zimmer has been by himself. Whenever there's a- another artist with him, I've always felt like they're very kind of blah. And Did you Dunkirk- hate on Wallfish? Not well. See, I've never heard any of his stuff alone. Whereas, like Dunkirk was also Hans Zimmer with someone else, and then um, I'm trying to think. There's another Pirates of the Caribbean, Prince of Egypt. Prince of Egypt doesn't count. Planet Earth. Um, but anyway, the when I think of Hans Zimmer, I think of like Interstellar or like Inception music. Whereas this was sort of just like ear fodder. And you saw that as a negative, not a positive. Definitely. I've, I I get the whole foghorn two rows back. I worked on that comparison for a long time. <clears throat> All right, so critical acclaim. It has an 8.5 out of 10 on IMDb, an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 81 on Metacritic. That's pretty cool. Those are all fairly similar. It's not, not a lot of deviation. Um, and then box office total is $194 million. It's domestic and international. Uh, and then 2017 ranking. This is the 2017 ranking of the box office, correct? That's right. Mm-hmm. Is number nine. And Nick made sure in our outline to note that it is nestled right above Dunkirk after only 17 days, which I could comment on, but that's you know, that's the Dunkirk thing. We... You wisely will not. Okay, I'm going to go for it then. See, like, this movie... <laughs> This movie had, like, this whole group of people who are going to go see it, like, the cult following. And that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. No responses. Thank you, Nick. That's it. Thank you, Nick. There's no cult following for Nolan. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Nick. Um, Oh, and now we move into introductions with opening statements according to our outline. So, Nick, you want to start us off? 
Just kidding. We did that. Ha ha. Zoop, zoop, zoop. Rewind. Uh, so now into like more of the meat of the movie and our review. Uh, I think who's... I have seen the original. I forgot to say that. So just Nick and I have seen the original. And then Hayden and yeah. Bruno, you have not. Brown boys. The brown brothers. And so Nick, do you want to <laughs> say any more about what you thought about the original? Um, maybe not. I mean, I think I pretty much covered my opinion on it. Um, as far as just a note on kind of what I think its perception is, like it's it's one of those movies that definitely is considered a classic, if not even in the sci-fi genre, just kind of like just an American cinema classic. Um, but what's kind of weird about it, and just kind of something to keep in mind, is that the t- at the time it came out, which was like sometime in the eight, early 80s, I think, it was like received pretty poorly. Like nobody saw it. It made it didn't make hardly any money. Everyone was kind of down on it. And then just kind of years later, the whatever you want to call them, like the cinematic elite, just kind of retroactively, you know, decided, oh, this is actually an important movie. And then ever since that establishment, people are like, they treat it with this, you know, respect and this awe. And it's like the sacred object for its influence in, in the sci-fi genre and like in film noir type stuff. But I think it's worth noting because <laughs> you're inherent, like you look at those first numbers and it's clear, like this movie is not, this was not an enjoyable, like crowd pleasing movie. Um, so it definitely does seem to fall on that side of the spectrum of more of a, I don't, I don't want to quite say pretentious. I know I did earlier, but more of a concept film, you know, rather than like a, a popcorn film. So would you say is like ahead of its time? I think people who like it would say that. <laughs> I think maybe it got. Lo- you mean as far as, as far as trend setting? Uh, I would say thematically, but you can take that however you want. Thematically, tough to say. Yeah, I mean probably. As far as again, what gets talked about a lot is its visual style and the precedent set visually. Again, like kind of what Bruno was referring to with more of its darker tones and kind of the mood it established. Even like apparently its use of rain and a lot of really significant scenes was kind of a leaping point for a lot of, of sci-fi or darker noir type type movies to utilize that kind of atmosphere and see it's little things like that where i'm just like really like that doesn't make sitting through a slog of of like little to no dialogue in a movie worth it at all <laughs> like right you got to yeah. be more like dunkirk you got to have some good visuals that are interesting and then a lot of like suspense and stuff like that yeah i also saw the original and thought it was boring uh but i've maybe in different ways than nick i guess because i thought this one was boring um (laughs) who knows uh what was i gonna say i think when i've listened to uh just other people talk about what they liked about the original um and not necessarily film critics just like people who talk about liking it uh some of the things they say is like they really like the world that was built in the original and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and i mean maybe while that like was kind of cool in the original um it's you know to me it's like it didn't excuse how boring that movie was i do think that you should be like when you when you talk about the movie being boring and you're in you not being able to appreciate the world that it created you're watching it in 2017 i think that having seen it in 1982 as a as a 40 year old that could have been different no nick well, that's exactly my point. Is that nobody saw it? That everyone hated it then too. That's all, that's what I was saying. It was like a commercial failure, like it, when it came out. Like people saw it and were like, "I hate this." Okay. <laughs> but I yeah. see what you're saying. Like I think that's I think that's a valid point. Like there's always 
some kind of bias or some kind of filter when you're looking back at a movie you know, decades ago. We're going to be seeing it through. We're going to have certain expectations. But even with even kind of adjusting for that, if you want to call that inflation in a way, I still think there's just some inexcusable pacing issues and, and plot deficiencies. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that's about okay. that, though. All right. I think it's a good time to move on to 2049 now. So uh, I guess kind of starting with you, Hayden, if you want to comment on it, uh, what do you think some of the strengths of 2049 were? Um, I think that, and I, I talked about this a little bit in my introduction, and I talked about this in my Dunkirk review. Um, I really like worlds that have been built. And I think that that can be the most, that can make or break a movie. And while this movie wasn't my favorite, they had uh, created a really good world and it was really intriguing. And my biggest problem with the movie was the fact that it relied too much on the story of the original from, from what I could piece together since I hadn't seen the original, it relied too much on the source material. And I think they should have taken it further and they were restricted by trying to like, Oh look, here's Harrison Ford. Oh look, here's some like things that are, uh, coming out of the old movie that you'll remember by watching this movie and to me it was like why don't you just keep it with the characters that you've given it and not start over with the old characters from the old movie because i thought that the the premise was really intriguing up till the point when he met harrison ford and right at that point that's when the movie started going downhill for me do either you uh bruno or nick want to Maybe just quickly list off uh, some strengths. Plot, plot twist. I think the, the expectation that we had... Okay, so I think buying into Ryan Gosling's char- character was really strong. Uh, I bought into it. I don't know if other people bought into him too or whatever. But buying no, into him that. and then buying into his emotions and buying into his... Uh, his He's like... Kind of hesitant, but like flattered to be the one uh the one special one or whatever but then the little twist that comes in the end i like i thought that was i think that that's what made the movie for me uh and i think that even even if everything else is really weak which i thought some things were pretty weak i i felt like that strength of the movie was so strong that it overcame some other other some of the other things and I can say that that was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. His story um, as the Blade Runner, as him searching to find out who this child was, and even his artificial intelligent, I guess he's artificially intelligent too, but his, his holographic girlfriend, like that whole story was like my favorite part about the whole movie. And then all of the other outside sort of corporate business things going on in the background and all this and I, I really didn't care much for that. I really cared about Ryan Gosling's character and, and what he was trying to accomplish. And about the point when he reached where when he met Harrison Ford and it and it wasn't as about him, that's when I was like kind of checked out and was like, oh, don't, I don't I don't really care about this as much anymore because they're they really focused off of him and stuck it onto a character that I knew nothing about because I had never seen the old movie. But I think the flip side to that is that at the point where you meet Harrison Ford, even if you don't know him from the prior movie, you're expecting him or you associate him with being the father of the main figure, uh, mistakenly so, but yet you do. And that creates 
some sort of weird bond, I think, automatically between the viewer and Harrison Ford because of the expectation around it, or at least for me. So you guys found, since you guys hadn't seen uh, the original, when Harrison, you're saying when Harrison Ford kind of came into the picture, you guys like were confused, like you guys didn't understand some of the stuff that was going on, or you just didn't like it? I didn't like it. I thought it was boring. Hmm. I was like, I have no... I have no emotional ties to this character. The only people that do are those that watch the original movie. Like, this is a new character who appears in the movie. He's kind of unheard of. Like, we kind of have heard rumblings of him. Then when we meet him, it's almost like we should have known him forever, and he's our best friend, and now he's the main character. It's like, but I don't care about him. I don't know him at all. I don't know who he is. The only person I know is Ryan Gosling. So why do I care about Harrison Ford? Yeah, I, I felt a little different. I cared for Harrison Ford vicariously through caring for Ryan Gosling's character or Officer K. Um, so I did like the 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 father's appearance or Harrison Ford's appearance in at that point in the movie. I do think he was a little late. <laughs> I feel like at that point in the movie, it was starting to drag a little bit. Um, Just, I guess, maybe to sum up, unless you guys have any other strengths you want to quickly talk about, I think the romance... Uh, storyline between him and joy was her name in the movie yeah uh i think i think that was really good totally copied inside out yeah (laughs) except that she wasn't yellow and couldn't fly (laughs) um yeah no i thought i thought that was a really good part of it yeah that was my favorite part of the whole movie if if that sounds really strange really that was your favorite part love story just their whole interaction, and I kept on hoping for something good to happen, and then uh, something, something bad happened. Something good, eh? <laughs> something terrible happened, and then they never resolved it. They never came back to it. It was like, oh, forget about her. She's gone. And it was like, I feel like they should have at least said something about it. Huh. Well, that can that can kick off our thoughts onto like what weaknesses you thought this movie had. Um. So a lot of the, a lot of the weaknesses that i felt about the movie were half the time it was like these little things that were building up and then the other time it was like these really big problems that i really didn't like and i think the biggest problem i had with it was there's the part where harrison ford is talking to jared leto i wish i knew the characters names in the weird watery villain room and (laughs) the villain is talking about how Basically, we designed your girlfriend and the first one to be perfect so that you loved her, blah, blah, blah. And it's almost like they're basically writing the plot of the first movie from the context of the second movie. Whereas the first movie could have just been standalone. And the only reason that you're tying it in is to say, oh, hey, like all that stuff that happened in the first movie. Well, I'm responsible for it. So now I'm really bad. And I was like that. But that was sort of what... um specter did for the other james bond movies where he was basically like claimed responsibility for everything bad that had happened in bond's life the first three movies and i was like that was so unnecessary they didn't need to do that and i felt like they shouldn't have tied in these two movies together as much as they did because it alienated the people that hadn't seen the first movie also like little things one thing that really bugged me was when he was looking at the um he was looking at the DNA code, the amino acids, and they basically just sort of 
they could have just left it and it would have been an intriguing little like oh look he's looking at the dna code and he said some sort of things like uh his girlfriend said it's so interesting that the humans are made up of four letters where the robots are made up of two numbers and i thought that was a really cool line but then they followed up to be like yes this is dna and you're talking about binary code we use binary code to create computers and it's like okay like they should have just left it like why do they have this little like explanation period where they kind of explain to the idiot audience what they're talking about and that, that was just like a little nitpick i did not notice that at all i neither noticed yeah, the comment like, or the explanation stupid also, random tears, like they randomly would just cry. Like people would just randomly cry. I felt like that was happening all the time and I was so confused. An excellent point, Hayden. Do you want to respond to that, Nick? <laughs> the tears? <laughs> yeah, see, for me, the, te- the random tears kind of brought it whole home and really is what's putting it into kind of the Oscar conversation, in my opinion. But um, yeah, as far as like, as far as other weaknesses, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot. Oh, dear goodness. Because this, <laughs> this is, for me, kind of just one of those that, like, any of the weaknesses that it has... Are just too nitpicky? I would... I would No, I don't think so. But it would just come down to preference. Like, you just wouldn't prefer this type of movie. It, it's not so much a mark against its quality. I think its quality is pretty... It's pretty flawless. It's not flawless, but it's... There's obviously intention behind every decision made in the film, and so it's hard for me to come at it's it's hard for me to come at from a quality angle. It'd be just from a preference angle, and so that to me that's not even like a real weakness. That's just a preference. So I I might be a little quiet during this part. Well, Nick, what did you think about the the tie-in to the original movie? I thought it was okay. I thought it was balanced pretty well. Like, I, I appreciated the beginning at the outset having kind of those title cards that kind of just spell everything out pretty clearly to kind of bring people up to speed. Um, and I thought, yeah, I thought it kind of it flowed with the original decently well. I don't think it stood out either way as being too little or too over the top. I agree that Harrison Ford could have, if there's one thing I'd say, is maybe bring him in a little sooner, which is what you guys were alluding to. Yeah, but it was, I mean, besides that, I think flawless, perfection, pristine, those are definitely the words to use to describe this, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with this. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> One problem that I have with general futuristic sci-fi movies, and I get it that they were constrained by the former, uh, by the by the, the by the prequel, is that the worlds that are created or pretty miserable uh i don't think that that's necessarily very compelling because i get that you know if, i thought about if that you too. if you think of how the world is going currently you think of how everything that people do you know be governments or corporations or nonprofits or whatever is is designed to make people's life lives better and it seems to me that sci-fi and futuristic movies fail to realize that and they create these worlds where it would just, it would, I prefer to live in 2019 or in 2017 than in 2049. You know, I think that at some point, sci-fi movies need to come up with, or Earth futuristic movies need to come up with uh, movies that like are set in the future, but it's a pleasant future to live in, you know? Because, I don't know, it, it seems like the world became, and I get that that could be part of the critique and the, and, and the social and political critique, 
of things are getting worse. But I just don't know how realistic that is and how compelling that is. That, that things are getting worse? Or that things are going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And Why would that be a unreasonable? Why would that be unreasonable? Because people are trying to make things better. But you don't see that effort here in the film? In these technology companies trying to promote these technologies that are essentially like ultimately sufficient, ultimately satisfying? What's your point? I mean, is that is that whole effort not ex- purposely existing to make things better? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it seems that the film, so in the film, the those efforts are met with failure. You know, they end up making life worse, uh, as opposed to making it better. Business doesn't work like that. But intent. I mean, we're talking about the intent of these things is to make a better society. So that's, I, th- in my opinion, that's communicated fairly well. Yeah. But sure, yeah, I, I get, it's going up against things like, like you see a lot of like there's just a lot of smog in this movie, like a lot of just like haziness, which which you would think that people would figure it out and find out a way for that to, to not be the case. I I feel like if if you get to technology up to the point of where you have a virtual girlfriend that can interact with you in every single way, you could probably create come up with a way to build a city that doesn't have to be protected by a wall so that the ocean can get to it. Does that make sense? <laughs> Yeah, I think, I, get I that. think you're getting at one of the reasons that people actually really like the first one is that I think because the what you're all, what you're arguing for the alternative is kind of that cookie cutter like almost Guardians of the Galaxy bright colors everything's like fun and and flowery type sci-fi portrayal, which and I might be putting words in your mouth, but it's like that people got get so tired of that it's it's refreshing to kind of have a more subdued or edgier type atmosphere. The world you're talking about, Bruno, does exist. It exists off planet. And so everyone, apparently, if you like in the background, they sort of talk about everyone's trying to get off planet. Like the guy who has all the kids working for him, his job, like what he's trying to do is make enough money so he can get off planet and get off of Earth and get to a place that's sort of like what you did, what you talked about, yeah. you know, a, a good world. So to some extent, um, Earth is, is, is like the ghetto of the universe yeah. to some extent. It's like the the place that like at the slum of the universe and if you live on earth it's going to be a pretty miserable experience because everywhere else where it's good is going to be really expensive to get to like a first world planet to some extent yeah and i get that so like i get what you're saying but they don't ever portray that good that that wonderful sort of utopia that they discuss yeah and i get that and i I get that's kind of the plot in interstellar that's the plot in wally and it's just the deterioration of, of mankind and the, and the earth. And I just don't, I don't know how, how realistic it is. I get how it's compelling at times. I don't know how realistic it is. That's my point. Then I would point you back to the genre's second word. Horror. Being fiction. Oh. Fiction. <laughs> Bummer. All right, yeah. I think uh, that's pretty good coverage on weaknesses. I think just last word. I think it was, it was, uh, it was too pretentious. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we've talked a lot about the world. So what? What about the world? Did you find convincing, Hayden? Because you really liked it. Um, for one thing, um, his car, his car was a. I think it's a French brand, 
um, they make real cars. Um, they don't have them in America, but I thought that was a super cool touch. It was like very realistic to the fact that, you know, maybe one day we'll have cars that fly like this, but they are branded the same way, like a, a Chevy or a VW or an Audi. And I, I thought that was sort of like a really like, realistic touch that they added to it. Um, I thought that the technology that they showed to some extent was relatively um, plausible. Uh, his his holographic sort of girlfriend sling that hovered over his house and would project her down like it wasn't it wasn't insane. You know, it was like that kind of makes sense how that would work. It's it's literally just a very advanced projector. Um, I think things got a little weird when you got into the the human aspect or the replicant aspect where most of the technology that you see in the movie doesn't come close to matching the technology required to make a replicant. And that's what's super interesting. It's like they have this sort of baseline of cool technology, flying cars and, you know, fancy satellites that can shoot missiles. But then it like takes this massive jump onto these realistic robots that look so much like humans that humans can't even tell a difference between them and i think that was the biggest flaw with the technology was that they kept it in this old sort of steampunk style while most of the movie was based around these creations that were so much further advanced than anything that we saw in the regular universe but that's why i thought the world was compelling though because it was very realistic to the extent that it was like we could project a future where we have things like this and then they had the replicants, which are sort of the biggest, um, it's like data from the Star Trek. It's like he, he's so advanced. He's like a robot. He looks like a human. Like you wouldn't be able to tell he's a human. That's when you get into the realm of like, okay, this is this is really, really, really far advanced, which could be showing part of the technology that they have on the outer worlds, not specifically on Earth. Yeah. I think one interesting thing about uh, the world and it's more just kind of the stylistic thing of keeping it like looking like what the eighties would have imagined or whenever it came out in seventies. I think the only thing though, that was like definitely a projection of what we think about is, uh, drones. Cause he had like that drone flying around, um, with him all the time. And that was the only like little kind of thing. That's like, that's not necessarily the eighties weren't imagining that. That's a, that's something that ties into like we are obsessed with drones nowadays. Right, so exactly. it's like clear with his little drone thing. Mm-hmm. And even that scene, even that scene where the main girl, the bad girl, was using the drone to like rain those missiles down, like remotely, like having that little commentary on weaponization. You know, when you're it's like non-human weaponization, where you're just kind of just sitting there. Like she was like getting her nails done, like while she was essentially like raining. She seemed this a little terror upon too them. powerful. Interesting. She was actually going to be one of the strengths I talked about. Oh, good thing we got past that then. Um, <laughs> no, but we can keep going. We can keep going with the love. Oh, thanks. Uh, you're welcome. I'm gonna. Yeah, that's your edit out. Nick saying you're welcome. Um. <laughs> so I feel like we can jump off the world because we we kind of all uh, covered that a little bit here and there. Unless anyone has any final statements on the world and what you what made it real to you or what made it fake to you i think just a general i think just a general concept i'll be quick when you want to do like world building and something i've heard before is just you really want to go for like a lived-in type aesthetic and i think this movie just did a really good job of 
creating a, or creating a world, presenting a world that's clearly new and fresh, but at the same time, like it's it's very lived in, and you can kind of see it's got some kinks in some of its in some of its design and things like that. It's it's not like perfect. It's really intentionally designed, but there's yeah, it's imperfect, and I think that actually goes a long way for credibility in your world building. And I would I would offer as opposition to that, like Guardians too. Like candy, again, like that candy colored aesthetic, everything's crisp. Like there's no attention to, to scuff or like markups, which actually help it out, which is just a, that's just a stylistic preference. It's not necessarily bad. Definitely like the, the Star Wars thing. I think Star Wars does that kind of, to me is like the golden standard of definitely a lived in world. At least the originals. I'm glad you brought up Star Wars. I think that's very relevant to this conversation. Uh, yeah, like how a good story goes that is actually fun to watch and has some interesting themes. Definitely, definitely uh, something you should bring up to compare to something that is the opposite of that. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, so now it's like move into just the plot, like the meat. What um, Nick has in the, the notes here, uh, the quote, or to quote Nick's words is, did you buy into the plot? Did you even understand the plot? Does this matter? That's a good question. Does does this matter if you understand the plot? <laughs> I think that's a silly question, but you can uh, you can talk about that more if you want. Um, I'll I'll comment real quick, and I think off the bat, I did not get it, and that's why uh, <laughs> that's why I needed a little bit more MBA, just kind of hammering home what's going on, and you know, a, a little bit more stuff on the nose. Every time I talk to somebody about why I didn't like this movie, I sound like the dumbest person ever. You know, because it's like, oh, what did you not like about it? Like, ah, you're supposed to think in it, and I'm just not a fan of that. I wanted to, I needed something that's a little more. That's not true. That's that's what I say to people, and I feel like an idiot, but that's that's how I felt the movie was. Um, But that's just me, you know. How did you feel about the pro- plot, Bruno? Bruno just uh, brought up a really interesting thing in the <laughs> comments here that we're typing to each other. So, he doesn't know if the replicants are robots or clones. So <laughs> maybe Bruno didn't get all of it. I don't think I got it then. Because <laughs> my understanding is that I, I guess I didn't understand them to be robots in, in, in the purest sense of the word. Because because they had what flesh. Mean? <laughs> yeah, like, because, well... I guess what's a clone? That's a bit robot. First of all, because robots can't reproduce. One, that was a big one, right? Uh, so from the beginning, I'm like, oh, these can't be robots. They're they have the ability to reproduce. Um, but two, they were, and I guess artificial intelligence is supposed to be able to do this. But like the fact that they had personalities, um, I thought that they had more more human in them than engineered uh, machines, right? I thought they were more bio than bionic, was my interpretation of it, which apparently is wrong. So. But that's the whole point, though, is that if you'd seen the first one, Bruno, I think it would have made a lot more sense because one of the biggest arguments in the for about the first movie was whether or not Harrison Ford was a human or if he was a replicant. Mm-hmm. And so, um, if you, if you, cause I, I knew something about the movie. If you go into this movie completely blind, I can understand that like you would have no clue about who these, what these things are. Mm-hmm. 
because they don't look like, and that's sort of where I talked about the technology aspect of it. Like these things are so technologically advanced so far that we don't see anything that's comparable to that. So you could, I, I could see how you could make the jump to there's some sort of clone because it's like, we don't see any evidence that there's technology that's as advanced to create a object that is so human-like that humans can't even tell a difference. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have no response to that. Although, so, and I can't remember this. I guess it doesn't show when uh, Ryan Gosling shoots uh, Dave Bautista, does it? You mean Drax? Yeah. So it doesn't show. Does it show? I think it does. Like, I think it does. He yeah, I think so. Shoots him right in the chest. That's the part you missed, Hayden, yeah, by the way. Yes. Really good scene. I, I heard it was very good. John loved it because it was very Michael Bayish. Speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. But anyway, does he bleed? They bleed. the 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 replicants bleed. Do you bleed? Tell me. Do you bleed? Yeah. The, what this movie's really going for, in my opinion, and but for the record, I actually, I was, yeah, I was stumbling on the plot hardcore. I fell asleep <laughs> twice. I actually during really big. Plot oh my points. gosh! How can How you defend you this movie say that at this all? Movie is so good, it'd be like I fell asleep. It's the best movie. It's the best movie I've ever seen that I fell asleep multiple <laughs> times. At. But yeah, Bruno, like that's the thing. Like they bleed, like bleed. like what you're saying. There's more like bio or however you put it than robot. Like yeah, like what Hayden's saying. That's the point. It's like it's it's trying to get at. We can get to the thematics a bit later, maybe. But you know, like what is life? Like what is existence? Is it is living? To bleed is that what the definition is? And like, he'd be saying no it's to something have else, and it's like, what's a it? robot what is it actually? And that's actually what he settles on there. So you did figure it out. <laughs> Good job, Mbe, Mbe. That's Michael Bay for anybody who doesn't know. Just a quick question, as a side note: What did you guys think about? Did you guys think that Ryan Gosling was the, the child, or I totally Oscar K? Yeah, I had no idea at that point that there was some like a child in question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But so you bought into it, I guess. And what was this like? What yeah, did you think definitely. about the surprise factor when he realizes he's not the child? I thought it sucked. Why did you think it sucked? Because I didn't care about the child. I cared about him. So when it turns out that that the child is a girl that plays with a really advanced PS4 controller for the rest of her life, like. I, I could care less about her. Like, I don't care about you minor character that's randomly in the movie for five minutes for no reason at all. That's a fair point. So they, like, build up this huge thing, and then they drop the surprise on a character that no one really cares about. I mean, if you really cared about her, like, you're a weirdo. Like, how, how do you get that much care for a character that didn't have any personality, like, barely? But that it makes you care about Ryan Gosling more. It's You're not supposed to care I about agree. her on purpose. So I wouldn't say it's bad, and they wouldn't have been able to split the time to make you care about her. So I think it's a good thing that it's a twist, and it's like, man, that sucks for Ryan Gosling. And two, I don't think they're trying to make you care about her. I think they're trying to make you care about the replicants. Yeah. Because at that point, you kind of you kind of feel like, oh, they... And, and, the, and the quote from the, uh, from the old woman, I think she was an old woman, uh, the quote is something like, we all wish we were uh, the one. The one, yeah. You were the chosen one! 
But see, the thing is, though, is that I didn't care about any of the replicants. I only cared about Ryan Gosling's character. <laughs> Who was a replicant? Oh, by the way, did you know that, Hayden? Yeah, that he was a replicant. Okay, because that was also that was also discussed in the first scene. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew that. Um, but the thing is that it's like they tried to make me care for this race of people or whatever they are that were sort of struggling to be uh, validated in this world, yeah. and they the only thing they did was make me care about Ryan Gosling's character. That's all they did. Like, and if that's what they were trying to do, then they did a great job. But if they were trying to make me feel sympathy for this community of people, I, I didn't feel any right. sympathy for them at all. I was like, I don't know any of them. They're, they they don't mean as much to me as this one character. And you just basically, he, he had a terrible ending. It. Like everything yeah. about him, he, like happened awful to him. I'm with you. And I think it is worth mentioning there, like our presuppositions and our, like our values as, you know, as Christians that to me, at least in my viewing, that does undermine my buy into stuff like that. Anytime you watch like AI types, ex machina, if you guys have seen her, you know, where they're clearly trying to get you to like emote on behalf of the created thing. Presuppositionally, like we just, we aren't going to be in sync with that. And at least for me, that always undermines kind of, so like I I can feel them trying to get me to do that and it's like no like I just well that's something that I it's hard for me to do maybe we should give up religion and so that we can enjoy movies more well yeah I disagree with that Nick because I think that when you watch a movie you put yourself in the universe of the movie and like so, t- so take Star Wars right uh, I could buy into the clones being or like buy into the idea of not marginalizing the clones just because they're clones. I'm marginalizing the club. Does that make sense? Because it, it's a different no. universe. So I don't know that the, the same ra- r- rules of creation apply. So I don't feel more... What do you mean by... Mar- I, don't, I don't really get what you're saying. What do you mean marginal? Who's marginalizing the clones? W- what you said is um, you can't buy into the idea that the these created beings are like humans. Correct? That, 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 no, that they're worthy of my empathy. Okay, so you can't buy into the idea that they're worthy of empathy. I yeah. think that you can in, in a universe in which in, in a separated universe, which is the movie realm to me. I get that, Bruno. I totally get that. I I get it in most contexts, but not in this context. So I you're selective by context. context. I get in the context of like just film in general, how film is one of its great assets is it takes you and literally transplants you into another mind or another person's shoes or like another world. But again, like when you're getting put into a robot's shoes, all of those positive side effects go out the door. Yeah, no, I hear that. Um, so, and I think the Star Wars comparison is not analogous. Sure, because these guys aren't clones, first of all, uh, like I thought they were. As we just established, <laughs> to clarify, the replicants are not clones; they are robots. And this podcast is not sponsored by Anchor. Or by Star Wars. Bummer. Oh, that'd be sick if we could get a Disney. So the promo. flip side, the flip side to what Hayden said about not liking how they marginalize um, Ryan Gosling's character by making him not important at the end of the movie. I think that the flip side of that is when when I was watching it, I was really hoping that uh, I was really really hoping that he wouldn't be the one. Like when he when he goes and gets the horse from the uh, from the little fire pit whatever 
the ashes. Were absolutely great scene. Yeah, and I I, I'm like, oh, please don't grab it. Like, I was like, please don't be there, horse. Please don't be there. Because <laughs> I just thought they were so cliche. So when he grabs the horse and he's the one, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. This is just another movie where the main character is the most important character in the story. But then the realization after you buy into uh, the fact that this main character, who you empathize with, unless you're Nick and you're heartless, after you, you, you buy into his story and everything about him, the realization that he's not the one, I think that was really good. I wasn't ready for that. So they're making us feel like he felt. Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, and I think they did a brilliant job at that. It was like Dunkirk. I, I can... I can agree. I can agree with that statement. I think that if they were trying to make me feel sucky, like Ryan Gosling did when he figured out that he wasn't the one, they accomplished their goal, and I hate them for that. Very good. So one thing I questioned about the plot uh, was just like another part of under misunderstanding. I watched it with my little brother, and we started talking about Jared Leto's character, and we both disagreed on whether or not Jared Leto was a replicant. Was blind. Uh, yeah was a replicant or was a human because he said some things that could be like interpreted we thought both ways as either a repli- like it would make sense as a replicant saying it or a human so what did you guys think i mean is there a consensus on that did any of you consider him being a replicant i guess i think that's probably the more odd thought i did not i first thought he was human and then he said something I, and and it's been a while since I've seen it, so I, I can't pull up what he, exactly what he said. But he said something like in regards to us, like he said we, or in referring to the the replicants. And so maybe he was just referring to his creations. So I I think after he said that, I just automatically assumed he was sort of this uh, deity of a replicant to some extent because he was trying to create his children so that they could reproduce, kind of. But I think he was human. Like, now that I think about it, I think he was human. One thing that makes me think he's human is the fact that he used those robots to see. If you're a replicant, you could just, like, get your eyes replaced, I assume. Um, yeah. Unless that's... they were some sort of upgrade. I don't know. But another thing that... Or one, like, line that made me... That could go back or forth was when he was talking about being able to make replicants reproduce. He talked about like how powerful or amazing that would make them. And then he talked about how they're at that point to me, you could interpret the next lines as him saying at that point, we would have the ability to subjugate the humans and we would have millions of slaves or whatever to do our bidding. And it was like, to me, it was like ambiguous enough that he could have been talking about enslaving the humans once they had the ability to reproduce themselves because their only constraint was they couldn't build themselves if there weren't humans. So that was just one line that me and my brother talked about that we were kind of going back and forth about. Wasn't Jared Leto the guy that started the corporation that made the robots? No, that's a, like an original movie thing. He he bought the corporation that was originally making replicants or clones, however you want to say it. Let's move into performances. How do you guys think everybody did? Harrison Ford reprising a really old role uh, which he's started to get a lot of practice doing. Uh, Ryan Gosling playing a very different role than he usually does, except he still has a really beautiful girlfriend, kind of. Bruno disagrees. Not a beautiful girlfriend. Interesting. Okay. No, no kind yeah. of about that. Well, 
that's I guess that's a whole what? different disagreement that we can talk about later. It's because she's brown, isn't it, Bruno? Yeah, she's Colombian. Although I hate that country. We should start off saying that Bruno's Canadian. I think that's right. <laughs> Classic Colombian v Canada. Anybody that you thought did well, uh, considering it's maybe a new genre for them, or they had to pick up a really new role, or reprise an old role? I'll start. I loved the Somali pirate from Captain Phillips. Thought he did a great job. I was like, I'm so glad that you survived till 2049, dude, and you haven't been, (laughs) the mold in your teeth hasn't eaten you yet. (laughs) And he is still the captain. He was was good. He's a doctor now, apparently. He's still a catch. the catch. Uh, that's what he's called. He's a doctor. He's a doctor. Moving up, dude. I I appreciated, yeah, I want to talk about Sylvia Hoex, or however you say it. This kind of being, I guess, apparently she's done a lot of work in her home country, a lot of Dutch films. Who was she real quick? She's the, blo- uh, she's the the replicant chick that kills everyone? Yeah, she's a, essentially the main baddie. But I thought she did, I thought she did really good. Again, I, I'm sort of biased towards villain portrayal and villain performances that, and you guys know this, that are pretty much all in on the evil. And I'm not a big fan of the, oh, I'm complicated. I'm Kylo Ren. I like I like them to be pretty much straight up like, I'm here, I'm evil, and I'm, I'm ready to kill. I just think that goes farther. But I didn't think she was like that. She's like the queen of this one tear leaking down her face for no reason because she's a robot. And like she was the one that did that the most. And I was like, why are you crying about this? No one understands you. To be honest, I don't remember that at all. I think I might have been asleep during that part. So maybe my <laughs> whole argument like is undermined times. by that. Missed all that. <laughs> no, but but anyways, um, I thought all the scenes that she was in had really good tension. I agree with I that. I think if we want to talk about something that Denis Villeneuve does really well in a lot of his films is he's a good master of tension, and it's that's no different here. Especially that, that kind of climactic scene with the police chief and her, I thought was just so well done, really well shot. And then the finale there, uh, when they're kind of in that water set, um, I thought she, had, she did really well there too. I, she just had a good presence, um, and I thought, it was, I thought it was a good performance. Uh, Bruno, what did you think of Ryan Gosling? I think he, I think it was great. Uh, again, I bought it. I really bought into his character, and to my fault, uh, to a fault of my own. So I really liked it. I think he did great. I think again, it's not what we have seen him in. It's very different from La La Land, and it's very different from uh, Notebook. It's a really good portrayal of like his range. Well, but the thing about it is I still kind of feel like Ryan Gosling plays the same character over and over again in different worlds. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah, I found a lot of similarities to his performance in this and in La La Land. Yes, and in Notebook, too, if you you think about it. The singing scene was really good when he was like, I'm a robot, maybe not. (laughs) Either way, I think he did a good job. I bought into it. Bruno, have you ever seen have you ever seen Drive? No, I haven't. Uh don't watch it. Um but it's a movie <laughs> with Ryan Gosling in it and basically he plays the exact same character except he doesn't have the excuse to have no emotion because he's actually a human in Drive. So watching this movie and having seen Drive it, is very similar like he has that same sort of blank stare all the time and he's like has this sort of like ability to whoop anyone that comes near him and you're just kind of like 
he doesn't really say that much but um i mean i thought he did i thought he did good but seeing drive before this it it was basically like very similar role which is fine like i i I still think it fit well it's just interesting that he had done a movie previously that had a character that was very similar and so like finally out of the big characters uh because i don't i don't think we need to talk about uh the armas or joy the hologram lady I think she was a good character, but I don't, I don't think the actress necessarily is anything there you need to talk about. And then I feel like Jer- Jay Leto, like, while you know you may hate him or like him, he's still, like, playing a Jared Leto role. There's nothing necessarily amazing about it. Um, so, Hayden, what do you think about Harrison Ford, you know, being Harrison Ford again in a new movie? Well, Harrison Ford, he, he, he doesn't have a damn, like... He just doesn't care about, like, anything. And to me, it's like in all of his movies, he's just kind of like, I'm Harrison Ford, so (laughs) whatever. And that's how I kind of felt in this movie. It was like, I didn't feel the same emotion when he appears on the Millennium Falcon in The Force Awakens because I had not seen the original when I was little and all this stuff. And I felt like they were trying to go for some of that. Um I think they really hit home that he was an alcoholic, which apparently is a big part in the first movie. In the first movie, he is like always constantly drinking. Um, I thought I thought his performance was was good, but to me, it was just too Harrison Ford. It was it was just like I, I don't know. There was not a lot of variation. He was just Indiana Jones or our Han Solo, or yeah. you know what I mean. Nick, what do you think about yeah? Well, Nick, what do you think about him just considering that his performance was probably something you what something that made you not like the original movie? So do you think that they that he was able do you think they changed the character so that he was more interesting? Do you think it was the same? Do you think he played it better? It, it's not an exaggeration for me to say that I don't think there he had a character in the first one. He was he was a completely formless. Actually, that is literally it. he like he was portrayed as a blank slate. Like, as part of the viewing of that movie, <laughs> you're supposed to, as the viewer, put on him what you think his personality should be, which is just so dumb. And, like, again, you can see how the cinematic elite would be like, oh, that's so that's such pioneer, what a pioneering move and a characterization. Um, I think he actually had a lot of character here. And, and weirdly, he was kind of being used as comic relief, it seemed, <laughs> at times, which was kind of weird. Um, but overall, I think he does, even though he's like 116, like he still does kind of have that star power and kind of that swag. And um, like when he comes, like when he comes. Bruno, do you have something to say? I have a big thing to say that I just remember to say. Uh, and it has directly to do with Harrison Ford. <laughs> but go on. Tell me about when he comes. <laughs> What, no, you need to finish that I'm sentence because you said that like four times in a row, and I don't know how I'm going to edit that. <laughs> All right. Um, let me try to think about what I, what in the world I was saying. When he um, comes Ugh. down the mountain. Okay. Oh, just, yeah, when he comes on the screen, it's just a good presence. And just one real quick point I'd make. <laughs> super worth it, I know. But one quick point I'd make is I would directly contrast this cameo to the Star Wars Force Awakens one, which I found just exceedingly obnoxious and way more of the, you know, like recalling of the good old times in the original trilogy. We're home, Ryan. Whereas this one was much, 
We're home. Right. Ryan. Like it was just it was just <laughs> it was lathered on top in a Force Awakens, and this one it was much more subdued. He wasn't just making these like winks at the audience; like he was actually like playing a part, which I respected. Yes, that is true. So big thing for me, and this is funny. Uh, when Harrison Ford, so when when uh, Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford are to, uh, Ford are together, and they're fighting it out in that little bar slash auditorium thing with a given musician singing. The given musician is Elvis. That that see, I think that's a big that's that's something that doesn't make any sense to me. Because like Elvis is old now, right? So he's a, like a classic now, but that's because he was he was famous like 40, 50 years ago. This is 40 years from now. We're not listening to music that was made in the nineteen hundreds. I think that the directors had a cool opportunity to have Kesha. A current musician, not Kesha, but like a current musician who's probably going to be a great, an all-time great. Coldplay or Beyonce. And put him there. Like or the Foo Fighters. And, and they just botched that. I don't think that was realistic. And that I really can't get past that. Although I really love Elvis. That would be the perfect example of something I would say where like I would completely trust Denis Villeneuve. And there's probably like 400 reasons he chose that particular song, that particular artist, and it probably like that's just something where I think you have to have an inherent trust yeah. there with the director. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense. That song came out. That song came out. Who knows when? Harrison Ford technically this his his character wasn't even cloned at that time or created at that time. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think I agree with uh, Nick more. I think uh, Denise Villeneuve uh, knew what he was doing. Um, Dinese Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Villanueve. We should all have a turn saying his name. Dainese Villanueve. Well, I just, <laughs> since you put the pronunciation in the outline, I was like, yeah, not going to do that. <laughs> um, so I think that that covers all that pretty well. Um, okay, so now we can move into kind of like final thoughts, uh, some rankings, uh, where we would place this amongst... Uh, sci-fi movies and then movies in 2017 so let's do that first uh as far as uh, sci-fi movies and 2017 movies go and other movies that Dyla Vali Nabulain has done <laughs> yeah very good I'm not going first I'm not I'm going not first either. all right Nick you go it's it's definitely the most unique sci-fi movie I've seen in a long time um, again, probably the world construction is going to play the biggest part in that. Uh, but some other things as well. Um, it's hard to recall, you know, all the ones that's... I, pretty much as far as sci-fi, you've got your franchises, Star Trek, Star Wars, superhero type stuff, and then more of the, like, hard science fiction, like Ex Machina, or, again, like Her, which typically these days are referencing a lot of artificial intelligence type questions, things of that nature. Yeah, but so if you've got if sci-fi if you have a sci-fi kind of a spectrum of again more of the franchise type accessible and then kind of the more the high sci-fi concept conceptual sci-fi this I think is trying to shoot the middle for the most part and be accessible and have some of those you know cliche elements whether it's like a, a standard staged fight scene or or what have you but it also does it's also very conceptual and so I applaud it for kind of trying to be both um, and I'd say as far as recent sci-fi movies it's got to be up there 
don't know if I can be more specific than that. You enjoyed Guardians 2. Would you put it above that, even though they're very different? Mm. As far as my viewing experience, no. I would, I would keep Guardians 2 up there, which, yeah. I, as I say that, I, I cannot believe I did, but I will stand by that. That's interesting. Marvel wins out over an edgy, dark movie. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. A, a boring, right? edgy, dark movie. <laughs> what do you give it out of 100, Nick? Oh... Uh, well, I guess as far as its ranking in 2017, um, probably in the top, probably in the top ten for me. Probably not the top five. Just again, okay. it does mean something. It does mean something that I fell asleep a lot of times. I, I shouldn't. Agreed. I shouldn't discount that. Out of a hundred, I'm going to give it a seventy-five. Four out okay. of five stars. Fair. Okay, so uh, Hayden, sci-fi movies, 2017. Other Denise Villeneuve. Okay, I'm going to start with uh, the other movies that Denise Azavaloon has done before. Um, the only one that I've seen of his, I think I have to check the list that you have, is Arrival. Arrival. What which ones has he done? He's done Arrival, yeah. Sicario, yeah, Prisoner. And, you haven't seen um, Prisoner? No, I haven't. And um, so out of out of those. Out of Arrival, comparison to Arrival, I liked Arrival so much more, mainly because Arrival kept me uh, captivated for most of the movie. And um, even though I liked Ryan Gosling's character better than any of the characters in Arrival, I just thought the plot line of Arrival built up to something and then accomplished a goal where this built up to something and then fell flat on its face, in my opinion. Um, I think my biggest problem with this movie is that it appeals to like those people that think they have really high opinions about movies and that they're really good at critiquing them and they like look at this movie and they're like oh they did such a good job like analyzing this aspect of like human life and everything and they're like this is just so masterfully done the cinematography but they forget about the plot they forget about the story they forget about how it it just it fell it fell apart at the end to me and so in terms of like movies of 2017, I mean, it's hard to compare a movie like this to Wonder Woman just because <laughs> they're just so different. And it's like, uh, I think you're right, Nick. I think it definitely is in the top 10 of this year, but that doesn't, that doesn't really say a lot to me. I mean, the emoji movie might edge it out a little bit. Um, and then in terms of like overall score, that's really hard. I think that the movie captivated me enough to give it a 70, but didn't finish hard enough to give it anything higher than just like a, a decent movie. It, it by no means was a great movie. Numbers, dude. 70. Okay. All right, Bruno. 2017. Uh, Daenerys, Vel... Vivo. Okay, I haven't seen Velveeta. I haven't seen any movies by Dinais uh, Venezuela, <laughs> but so I can't I can't speak to that. But as far as 2017 goes, um, I didn't like it as much as Get Out. I watched La La Land in 2017, so I'm counting that. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm not allowed to do that. Uh, I d- didn't like it as much as Get Out. I didn't like it as much as some of the other. Uh, 
Well, say it. I, I dare guess, you say it. I, dare I guess Spider-Man it. isn't a sci-fi, but I like Spider-Man more than this. But I did like him more. I Keep going. did like what else? it more than Wonder Woman. I did not like right, it more than man. Dunkirk. I liked it about as much as Dunkirk. <laughs> um, so I would say I would, I'd give it like... See, now I'm constrained because I gave Wonder Woman an 80 and I think I gave Spider-Man an 85. <laughs> so I need to be somewhere between there. I think I think probably like an 83. 83, 84. Yeah, because three points I think higher that than Wonder the, Woman. The plot, twist, the plot twist of you buying into Ryan Gosling's character and then him not mattering, that I really I value that real highly. Okay. I get that. Um... I also can't really answer uh, other movies based on the director because it's just Arrival, and I would put Arrival above it, but I don't. That doesn't really mean much to me. Um, and then I wouldn't put it high in 2017. Maybe top ten of like new movies that I've watched in 2017, maybe. But then like maybe even top fifteen. Uh, just wasn't a huge fan. And I think from now on, I'm just going to like disclaimer that all of my ratings out of 100 are based on rewatchability because to me that's like number one because I don't think I'm uh I wouldn't think of myself as proficient enough in analyzing movies to just say what is technically a good movie so for me my whole angle on rating is going to be based on rewatchability and so this for this it'd be like maybe like a 68 or a 67 um just because I don't even have a desire to understand the plot better just because it was so boring. Um, so yeah, super. I mean, like, I mean, maybe even a sixty-five. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's going down. Yeah, it's just as far as rewatchability goes. If that's my angle for rating, it's very low. I think that's an unfair criteria for rating. Yeah, I I know you would, but <laughs> this way we have our listeners. Uh, our listeners have different things to compare, so at least they know that that's what I'm rating based on, and that's. That's a criteria to base on. I'm not saying the quality of the movie was a 65. I'm saying, I'm saying the average, the average American should not want to rewatch this. <laughs> what about Arrival? Did you want to after watching Arrival? Would you have hopped right back in the theater and watched that again? Arrival was rewatchable. Yeah, that's pretty slow. Much better though. Don't, dude. You fell asleep. You can't. You can't argue. <laughs> you already said twice. Arrival was a twice. thousand times. Yes. Hey, oh my gosh. The only movie that I think I can watch back to back, that I have watched back to back, is The Prestige. I'm with you. I think The Prestige has enough enough balance and complexity and fun to to keep me entertained for five hours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of just think like a good movie you'll want to watch again, I no just, matter I how dense it is. That. I completely disagree with that. Okay, that's good, dude. I I get you, man. I hear you. Well, Some of us have, have more time than others, and that factors in. Well, let's talk about it. No, definitely not. We're running out of time. Remember, <laughs> someone has to go to bed. Others of us have homework. Some of us have to stay up for a few more hours because we got nothing to do. I think rewatchability on its own merit is an insufficient criteria upon which to judge the merit of a film. Okay, fair enough. Maybe, probably not. Because there are there are. Because there are examples of movies that are constructed to be sort of a one-time experience. I would even say Interstellar, after the first time I saw it, I did not want to rewatch that for a long time. But I absolutely loved it. All right. 
Well, I think that was a really productive review. I think this is a very interesting movie for us to review because some of us thought that it was a very good movie, but we had a lot to talk about and a lot of and a lot of us still disagreed on little aspects of it. So a lot of meat to review. Uh, so listeners, this was really good. You should enjoy this a lot. Um, so thanks, uh, Hayden, Bruno, Nick, for uh, making some time, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do next time. We've kind of batted around maybe doing Arrival, which might be interesting uh, considering this, but I'm not I'm not really sure. Are there any new movies coming out soon that we might do? Thor. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I mean that's it's uh that's valid though. That's what the people want. And we've done Wonder Woman and Spider Man, so why not? Um just keep up the superhero movies. Alright, so awesome. Thank you for listening. This is the Ruckus Review. Uh oh man, I was trying to think of what see you in twenty seven years or whatever Nick said in the last one. <laughs> Easter egg. <laughs> and outro music. Da da da. Boom, 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 boom,